This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This podcast is produced by podcastandradio.com. Small Biz. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guests on this segment are the co-founders of a company called Bouquet Bar. They just appeared on Shark Tank this past Sunday, January 21st, 2018, and were funded by Shark Mark Cuban. Joining us on the line from Orange County, California, are David Youssef. And his co-founder, Sal Assis. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. But first of all, congratulations. Uh, this uh, was a profound experience, you know, just from the standpoint of Media Splash and, and being in front of uh, these fairly well-known uh, venture capital uh, type investors. Uh, on an emotional level, wh- what was it like to go through the process? You know, there were 40 companies in line. Uh, you know, how did that unfold? Just give us a sense of the, the scene. Set the scene for us as far as the show goes. Uh, well, first of all, they're sharks, so <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're right. It was an awesome experience, and I don't know if you got to watch the show, but it was very emotional. I mean, it's a dream come true for us, for me personally, going into this thing and, and, and getting in front of these amazing people, and the response has just been amazing. It's been even more, more emotional, people calling us and texting us, putting Facebook messages and talking about how they li- love their story and how they love the product. So it, it's just been amazing. Yeah. And the uh, process itself, you know, getting on the show and, uh, and actually finally airing was, was grueling in, in, in a sense where, you know, um, just from auditioning to going through the different rounds and then finally getting on the show and, and jumping through so many hoops and then getting on the show, uh, you know, the amount of pressure to make sure that, you know, we partner up with the right shark, make the right deal. Uh, and I think everything that we asked for, it happened. And, um, you know, with a little bit of a snafu we had at the, at the beginning. Um, yeah, right. But other than that, uh, everything was awesome. Yeah, I sort of discounted that to just presentation. You know, it was probably some nerves going on and, you know, they're taping and it's all of that. But uh, once you got into your groove, you really found your groove. And one of the things, you know, you mentioned this emotional component. One of the things that struck me as a viewer watching this is if you entered a zone where you became very relaxed and conversational with the Sharks as you moved into the segment. And I remember reading that one minute audition turned into, what was it, about 18 minutes for you and an earlier stage of the audition cycle. So it seems that you were really engageable as partners and as real people with the Sharks. Was that your experience of it in real time? Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the things uh, when we went our auditional call, 
you know, they give you one minute to present your company and your pitch. Yeah. Uh, and after that, you just got to move on because there's just so many companies there uh, auditioning. Uh, and like you mentioned, our, our initial audition turned from one minute to almost 18 minutes. And we had a very good conversation with the producers there. Uh, and the actual show, our segment, you know, we were in the, in the tank for uh, almost an hour, a, a little uh, yeah. over an hour. Yeah, and they chop um, it down. And after yeah. the, initial, the initial kind of the ask, we, we, were, we went into the tank wanting a deal and wanting to partner with somebody really great. And after they started asking us questions about the business and our, about our backgrounds, it became a really good conversation. We had some really good conversation with Mark. We had some really good conversation with Mr. Wonderful, with Lori, uh, with Damon, with, ev- with everybody. We had a really, you know, the, the conversation was, was very, you know, business-oriented, but at the same time, there was, there was some laughter. You know, our co-founder, Alex, had some really funny stories of when he came to the country and, yep. and all the sharks were laughing. And, and we, really, we really connected, and we actually connected a lot more with Mark. There was, you know, David and Mark went back and forth on some numbers. We went right. some, back and forth on some numbers, on marketing numbers. And overall, we just had a really good engagement in, in the tank. Well, I think for those listening, too, you know, your experience points to it. It really, even if, whether you're a consumer or you're an investor, there is an emotional component to sales. It's, it's unmistakable. And your whole product line is really focused on the emotional connections with people. Let's shift gears. How did the, the idea for the company and this particular business model of matching the various components or SKUs into gift boxes, uh, where did this come from? So currently, our other business partner, co-founder Alex, him and I own a luxury floral company called Square Root Designs, located in Orange County, California as well. Yeah. And we do, we do some amazing things. We do really high-end luxury weddings. We're the in-house florist of the Ritz-Carlton Dana Point. We're the in-house florist to the Beverly Wilshire Four Seasons and Beverly Hills. So what happened was, as we were doing these beautiful flowers, you know, we noticed that the industry was really broken. And that's one thing that I would advise any entrepreneur or anyone is that really try to tackle an industry that you feel that's broken and you're, you're a pro at it. And we really need the flower market. But as we delve more into it, we saw that the, that the gift market was really bad as well. So we said, why don't we take beautiful flowers, unique gift items, put it and package it all beautifully and, you know, and get it to folks. And yeah. one of the things that we did is when we were doing this, when we were doing research, and not, nothing against 1-800-Flowers or some of these other companies, but right, right. they are so broken. You know, the, the flower comes at one time, the chocolates come at one time. We wanted to make sure that that experience that the consumer had was just an amazing experience that everything came into once and there was an emotional connection with that with the, from the receiver. One of the things that we mentioned on the show is one of the reasons our business is doing so well is because now everybody's just used to getting gift cards. That's why the gift card market is booming. People just don't really know how to gift. Like, you know, you want to go get something for, for your wife or your loved one or whatever, and you don't want to pick the wrong thing, so you just go get a gift card and you know they're like Nordstrom's or they love Amazon. But here... We allow you to really curate a box. You know, you know your love. You, you know your loved one loves chocolates or almonds, or they love candles. So you're able to come into our platform and really curate a box that you design. And when the receiver gets that box, there's that emotional connection. Like, wow, you know, Sal really picked some nice stuff. He really knew that I loved uh, flowers, orange flowers, or I loved spray roses, or yeah. I, I love candles. This is, there's an emotional connection. That's what we you know, we pride ourselves in. Absolutely. This personal connection that you have forged. And by the way, uh, you know, back to the show, the experience of the Sharks initially uh, discovering the quality of your product, that was a highlight in this segment, I would say. It, it was a really big highlight. And the one thing that we really concentrate on is, you know, our company, Square Root, it's really known for quality, yeah. amazing product. And 
that's what we kind of brought into Bouquet Bar. You know, you see so many box companies these days, and it's just, and a lot of them go out of business. Majority of them go out of business. And what we did is we really try to concentrate on the quality because, you know, we're looking at this as a marathon. We, we didn't get into this market and say, you know what, this is broken. We're gonna get, we came into this market and said, not only is it broken, but we're going to change it. And if you really look at any type of market and you're trying to change it in a better way and give someone quality, even though you're expensive, for example, Apple is a perfect example of that, I think you will succeed for sure. And I think that's the one thing, you know, David and I connected on very early on is our both, both of us, you know, we love Apple and we love what Steve Jobs has, has done with the company, obviously what, what he did with the company. And that was to make sure every little detail, meticulous attention to every single corner detail paper. So, you know, if you had come to our office and we were doing our R&D, there was hundreds of sheets of different types of paper, the different types of flowers we tested, the different types of chocolates, the, the different types of nuts, the different types of ingredients that went into some of these things, you know, uh, going out and picking out the right scent, the right everything. So, so we spent a lot, a lot of time, a lot of time in designing and detailing the box so when, when the final product's there, and that's the kind of reaction you get. Well, I think you, they did. They were responding. They could feel, because they've been around so many businesses, the depth of your research, your exploration, your product design, uh, the, the attention to detail, all of those things add up to a you know this qualitatively beautiful experience. And you could just see they were like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is gorgeous. I mean, those were the words they were using. So, so clearly, there was an initial reaction they had to just the product itself, aside from the structure. And you know, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the concerns or ideas that came up during this segment, if uh, that's okay with you guys. Uh, and just kind of pick your brains a little bit for our audience and, and, no and, and get inside the head of uh, the now uh, the, the now sharkified entrepreneurs at... Uh, Bouquet Bar. <laughs> We're visiting with uh, David Youssef and Sal Aziz. They are two of the three co-founders of the company, recently funded by Mark Cuban on the Shark Tank. The question of uh, the price structure, of course, was part of this. So you had a twenty to sixty dollar at the low end, and thirty four to seventy five, and then sixty eight to one fifty five. Is there room to grow margin here, and from your perspective, and does that come with scale? Is that basically the idea? Our price point actually start, uh, starts at 47 and goes all the way up to 160. Okay. And the thing is, is that when we created the product, we wanted it to be, you know, we call it the line affordable luxury. Yeah. And, you know, even though, let's just say, for example, someone might come in and say, you know, I, I can't afford the $160 box. The other boxes are as unique and as beautiful and say, you know what, this time maybe I'll get this, but I can get this product next. And if you look at Apple, for example, they have those slew of products where you can get, you can be part of that lifestyle. You can be part of that family and do it. And yeah. the other thing with us is that we just didn't, and you bring up a good point, and this is to any entrepreneur that's listening, look at your margins. It's really, really important. You know, and the other thing that I would highly suggest for entrepreneurs is test, 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 test. If you were to ask me what's the one lesson I've learned is test. Test things before you overexpand or buy, because once you test, you know what's going to work, you know what's not going to work, and from there – you can really expand your business. You don't need to explode. Exploding is actually not good. You want to have a nice steady growth and then hopefully you'll explode because you just get to understand your product. You get to see, and there's so many companies that have exploded, you know, two, three years later with valuations of a billion dollars and now they're selling pennies on the dollar because like you said, the margins are not there. Yeah. It creates a shock condition for the company. That's slow, steady growth. Not just from the standpoint of the slow and steady piece and capitalizing that growth, which is a part of it when you're uh, dealing with inventory as such as you guys are, but also, you said it so well, getting to know your customer 
and tweaking as you go and doing these little micro pivots to get it right. Like the question about the uh, flowers being the hammer and the uh, food items being the nail came up. And, you know, was, I'm sure, you know, you're going to take all of these uh, inputs into consideration. Of course, these are sharks. You've got customers. You've got sharks. All Everybody's got ideas and incorporate them in a way that makes sense for you. And uh, so taking that time with the product and with your customer's relationship to it, I think is key there. Thank you for highlighting that. The other thing that came up that we, we have to talk about, I think, is this idea of customer acquisition cost. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, you came into this session with one sort of idea or sort of an operating model. Did what Mark said change the way you think about the customer acquisition? And how are you thinking about it on a go-forward basis, of course, with his input? That's a, that's a very good point. So when, when we were on the show early on, I mean, we had only been in business for about four months. And as you know, with any new business, especially a, a brand business uh, like what we have, yeah. you need to really be out there educating the, the clients or the customer base because they don't know you from anything else that's out there and the trust factor is not really there. So you have to spend a little bit of money to get those guys to understand who you are, what your vision is, what your story is. And that takes a little bit of time uh, and it does take money. So our you know, cost of customer acquisition was high during the show. And we've actually been able to bring that down significantly. Uh, you know, it's now maybe half of that and uh, on its way down. So as we learn about the business, as we start to test out products like David mentioned, and we, as we start to understand who our target audience is, we're able to really now hone in on the people that will transact on our site and people who will kind of buy into our story and understand that, look, we're not just another gifting company and we're not just another 1-800-Flowers here to love you, deliver you a bouquet of flowers. We're here to deliver you an experience. And when you buy something from us, you're going to get quality, you're going to get great customer service, and you're going to get an unbelievable you know, experience in itself. So, so all that, all that uh, factors in into our cost of customer acquisition. Yeah. And as we learn and implement more and we start to go out there and get you know, corporate sales and, uh, you know, where companies are ordering hundreds or thousands of boxes from you, that's when you, you will start to see those costs really dramatically drop. And we've had a couple companies, you know, order hundreds, 200, 300, 300 boxes from us at one time. And for us to put that together, the labor cost, the actual cost and how we have put everything together, that really helps with our one top line, second with our cost of customer acquisition, and number two with our margins as well. You know, and, and one thing that's really important is, you know, obviously the, the, you guys have a great show. And for me, this is not to sit here and talk about our company. I think it's important for entrepreneurs to listen from our mistakes. A lot of people, people's successes. And I think it's important for people to understand from people's mistakes. And again, going back to testing, the other thing that I would highly suggest for entrepreneurs is be yourself, be who you are. Whether And when you asked us earlier about, I saw you guys a little bit more relaxed and stuff, we became ourselves. You know, when you went into the tank, you're in front of cameras, and you, and you try to act a certain way. And as time went on, literally five minutes later, we just kind of came back to our zone and we were who we were. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I would highly suggest to entrepreneurs. Be who you are if you're selling a product. If you're giving an interview, you're talking about your product, be passionate about it. You got to live and breathe it. If you don't, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, I love my product. I love this and stuff. But are you doing your research? Are you seeing what mistakes other people have made? What are you doing to change it? What are the little pivots you're making? All those things, I think, make a really big difference. And I think that's what Mark saw in us. And, you know, I couldn't disclose this earlier, but literally, literally after the show, you know, most of the entrepreneurs that I know that have dealings with Mark, you know, they say a lot of great things about him. And I saw it. I mean, he literally has 
open up his war chest for us and emailing us and doing some great things. And I honestly think he saw something in us, you know, on the show and said, you know what, these guys are for real. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, the realness of you. And again, being yourself. And, and then you know you're aligned with your passion and you're doing what you love. And this curiosity that you have about your customer, about what they need and how, how you can make your product more suitable for them, that all just comes naturally. It's not like you're trying to do anything. You're just being yourself. That's so brilliant. I love that, David. Uh, as we wind up this segment, uh, give us a sense of sort of the physicality in the business. I guess this is an online ordering mechanism, but you have physical inventory, I'm guessing with refrigeration, this is a, you're connected to the florist world. Talk to us a little bit about how, how, what the physical elements of this business are and also the online piece. Sure. So going back to mistakes, when we started the business, we, <laughs> Love it. we, we went too big and I don't think you'll have any entrepreneur that will be on the show that talks about their mistakes as much yeah. as I do. But we, when we opened up, we had a 6,300 square foot fulfillment center and wow. again it was just too big yeah. but we were yeah. very and we bought too much inventory but we were very fortunate now that we're on shark tank you know we are able to scale really really fast and i think that's one of the other things that um mark found very attractive in us was that you know we had inventory we were ready to scale and um you know we were able to really go go out there and expand the business versus just you know, need a lot, a lot of cash and stuff. So that, that really, that really, really helped us. As, you know, our mistake actually turned into a, a positive. But again, remember, we got lucky, so not everybody gets on track. Well, it's a little bit, you know, the, what is luck anyway? How do you define that? You know, you've got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You sold twenty percent equity position. If I've got that right. So the question is not about the structure so much. The question is more about so. So with one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I think you're right. I think you know, uh, Cuban as an investor understands that that's going to go right into scale and right into more customer acquisition and maybe more inventory. I don't know, but this readiness you have to scale, I think, was a big thing that was attractive to him and possibly some of the others, even though they didn't come in. It was interesting that the others really took an early pass. I would say relative to you know. To Mark, it's interesting. What did he see that they didn't? What, what's your sense about why this was attractive to him while not so attractive to the others? I'll tell you a funny thing. So I personally hedge my bet towards Mark. I've always liked Mark because he, he thinks differently. That's what I love about him. And, you know, Steve Jobs, he always says, you know, think differently. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, you got to yeah, think man. outside the box. Yeah. And one day, Sal and I were talking and Sal's like, David, why are you hedging yourself so much towards Mark? Because I read all of his books. I read, saw all of his interviews and stuff. Yeah. And he said, why are you hedging yourself? And he's like, if we get a deal with any of the shards, we will be so fortunate. I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But again, that's what makes Mark Mark, you know, because he thinks differently. He sees things differently. And that's how I think pe people succeed. I mean, I think, for example, Lori wants everything to be a patent. I think if we live in a society where everything had to be a patent, then we would be living in a monopolistic uh, society where it would just be one company for cars and one company for phones and one company for this or that. That's interesting. But that's what makes it, yeah. That's what makes it century great is that, you know, innovation, you know, anybody can come out today with an amazing product and somebody can be good at it and they can take over as long as the product is good. I have a funny story. So, uh, you know, when David, myself and Alex were sitting down and, you know, prepping for Shark Tank, we, we, ended, we all took a list and said, list out your sharks and who you want first and who you want second, who you want third and so on and so forth. And when we came back and shared our list, uh, all of us had Mark as number one, and then, you know, some people had Mr. Wonderful and Lori and so on, but different things. But one of the things that we all had was, was, was Mark on our list as number one, right? So we knew that going in there, if we got Mark, that'd be amazing for us, and everybody else would be also be amazing, you know, not to discount any other sharks, but when your energy's towards somebody, and I think, you know, 
laws of attraction, some of the stuff that we've, we've talked about here, maybe inadvertently, subconsciously, whatever it was, we kind of maybe connected with Mark because all of our energy was, well, as we're prepping, we were always like kind of maybe subconsciously talking to Mark in, in other ways. And yeah. Maybe he saw that connection. Um, and then also, I think we had a really good conversation that maybe wasn't as detailed or aired. Uh, we had a really good conversation with Mark. We had some really good banter as far as well, the numbers are concerned, as far as marketing is concerned, and as far as you know, how we're spending our money, how we're testing and everything. And one of the early statements that he made, and I don't know if this was aired, Mr. Wonderful talked about our, how high our customer cost of acquisition is. And Mark turned around and said, hey, guys, they've just been around for four months. Give them a break. You know, they're trying to teach their customer. And it's exactly what we would have said. So he kind of like wow. said what our rebuttal would have so it was kind of a connection on a, on a different level, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There's something inherent about the idea that you can mix and match packages that then go out that feels really scalable, and I think that may be part of what he sees. I could be wrong. I'm just jumping into what I think he might. Uh, but this connection you had and this sort of the preparatory, almost mind-reading idea, because you were familiar with how he thinks differently, made him very uh, naturally addressable by your team. So it's brilliant stuff. Congratulations to all three of you. Uh, David Youssef, Sal Aziz have been joining us. They are the co-founders of Bouquet Bar. The company was recently funded by the Shark Tank Sharkist, Mark Cuban. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us on the program. Best of luck to you. We'll be following your story. Thank you. Thank you. Aaron. Like I said, uh, visit us on bouquetbar.com. Um, if you guys have any questions, you can always hit us up on LinkedIn. We'll be happy to answer anybody's questions. Bouquetbar.com. The company and the website, one in the same. Thanks, Thank guys. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.